This is Recorded Future, Inside Security Intelligence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 207 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Our guest this week is Colin Berry, Director of Cyber Threat Intelligence at Expedia Group. He shares his career path, including globetrotting stops at the CIA and with Booz Allen, and what his day-to-day looks like at Expedia Group, leading their threat intelligence efforts, protecting their online travel and marketplace endeavors. He shares his experience starting a threat intelligence operation from scratch, how he established buy-in from stakeholders, as well as why he believes attribution is secondary to understanding adversary tactics. Stay with us. Path in life is anything but straight. I, uh, after college, I started out with American Express, uh, and I held a variety of positions over a nine-year period, uh, working in business development, strategy, uh, and closed out my my tenure uh, heading up the small business portfolio, which today is known as Open. I was based in London, England, uh, and so that was my first foray into life as an expat. Uh, after American Express, I decided to return to graduate school uh, full-time. I pursued a master's in international relations, uh, and it was in grad school that I was recruited into the CIA, and I was hired into the agency, uh, the Counterintelligence Center, uh, as uh, an intelligence analyst, focused on a a variety of of, uh, subject areas, shall we say, that that fell (laughs) within the rubric of, of counterintelligence, uh, and I was at the agency for five years and received a phone call out of the blue from a, a good friend that I had worked with previously at the agency who invited me to uh, consider an opportunity with Booz Allen Hamilton. Uh, and that position uh, came to pass, and I relocated to Stuttgart, Germany, where I spent a few years supporting the Basically, Booz Allen was given a unique opportunity to help stand up the J-2 intelligence directorate within the U.S. Africa Command uh, in Stuttgart, and I was specifically aligned to the uh, J-2X division, the Counterintelligence and Human Intelligence Division. And I was there for five years, and then I transitioned back to the United States uh, and uh, joined Booz Allen's commercial practice, and that's where I uh, became heavily involved in cybersecurity. we were supporting a, a big client in Minneapolis after a fairly significant cyber event. And I did that for a couple of years. And then Booz Allen asked me to uh, move to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, uh, where I was helping to lead a, a project uh, on behalf of the kingdom. And then after that, Booz Allen asked me to move to Singapore uh, to help lead the cyber practice across the Asia-Pacific region. And I did that for a couple of years, uh, and then I was an opportunity uh, presented itself out of the blue to join Expedia Group. And, and by that time, after living overseas and on different continents, um, I decided the time had come for me to indeed come home and let some grass grow under my feet. <laughs> well, what is that experience like? I mean, the, the, the amount of, of international travel that you've had, I think that's something that would intimidate a lot of people. Are, are there specific challenges to taking on those sorts of uh, adventures? 
That's a great question. There are. Uh, I, I think you have to be, it, it certainly takes a, a, a certain constitution uh, to step into the void uh, and, and embrace the ambiguity that comes with living overseas, particularly when one relocates alone, uh, you know, without a family or, or anybody accompanying them. I think the hardest transition for me was when I first moved to London. Um, I was hmm. 29 at the at the time, and a little bit junior in, in my thinking and my perspective. But boy, you know, very quickly uh, I came to embrace uh, life in in London and, and all that Europe has to offer, and the richness and the cultural diversity. And so the next opportunity, you know, was Germany, and it and then Riyadh and Singapore, and, and with each uh, iteration, uh, each expatriate move, it became easier and easier because you become more adept. You understand what you're up against, uh, but it's it's less what you're up against. It's more uh, about the excitement and the opportunity that is yet to unfold. Um, and really just, you know, the opportunity to completely immerse oneself in foreign cultures, uh, foreign environments, uh, and in just embrace the world and, and travel. There's no better opportunity to, to broaden one's horizons uh, than to live and work overseas. What sort of perspective does that give you being back stateside now? Do, do you feel as though you look at your own country in a different light? Absolutely. Uh, you definitely come to see your country in a different light. Uh, and I think when you travel overseas, so I've lived on four continents and I've traveled to close to 70 countries. And when you travel to countries where uh, that are less democratic, where people do not have freedoms, where there certainly is not what one would consider equality or justice uh, or liberties, um, economic prosperity, you you begin to realize just how how fragile and tenuous our own country's experiment with democracy is, and how privileged we are to live in a country that uh, upholds uh, the democratic principles and, and values that we do. It's not to say that our country is perfect, uh, but you certainly develop a, a much deeper appreciation, imperfections aside, uh, a much deeper appreciation for uh, the safety and, and uh, the, the prosperity and, and really the opportunities that are at each of our feet uh, to define our own path. Mm. Let's talk some about um, your current day to day. I mean, what sort of things take up your time? What are the challenges you face in work? So, I was uh, brought into Expedia Group in October of 2019, uh, and there was no pre existing cyber threat intelligence program. Uh, and so, it was a very unique opportunity for me to come in and design and build a threat intelligence program and capability from the ground up. Uh, and so I was able to harness uh, a diverse set of experiences from the CIA to Booz Allen Hamilton, have that opportunity to bring that instinct and that experience to bear. Uh, so I took a few months really to understand and study Expedia Group. I wanted to understand uh, the nature of our company, the operating model, the back-end infrastructure, our footprint, our strategies, uh, and from there understand where the revenue drivers are uh, and what are the the uh, technologies that are supporting those revenue generators and what are the processes that are supporting those technologies. And from there, 
you know, it's a, a de-layering effort, if you will. Uh, that gave me a much clearer view as to the type of threat intelligence program that I needed to stand up, where to set my sights in terms of intelligence curation, information curation, to produce relevant, actionable information for the C-suite, the board, on down to uh, the, the chief security officer, and then a host of security practitioners, network engineers, architects, incident responders, vulnerability engineers. You know, the, the challenge, I would, it's, more, it's been more of an opportunity, but well, the challenge has certainly been um, with COVID. It, I, I didn't come in and, and I wasn't given a blank check. Uh, so I had to find a way to secure investment, a modest investment, to invest in uh, a threat intelligence platform, to invest in a uh, managed intelligence feed. Obviously, that's Record of Future, how you and I came to know each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those two components alone gave the program quite a bit of strategic lift. Uh, and so I, I would say the challenge has been you know, building that program uh, in, in a time of COVID, you know, there is no precedent for what the world has been through over the last 16, 17 months. And then the other challenge really is just, so Expedia Group, after it was divested uh, or spun out of Microsoft, I think in 1996, the company has uh, enjoyed tremendous growth and success. And a lot of that growth and success came through a host of acquisitions. It's a little bit of a challenge to understand our, our attack surface and, and back-end infrastructure uh, to figure out where what, what's most critical for us to protect. Now, is, is that a matter because through, through the process of acquisitions that, you know, system A gets blended with system B, and so you end up with this thing that wasn't necessarily designed from the outset to all be one unified working system? That's correct. Uh, it's a bit of a yeah. pa- it's a bit of a patchwork, and so there right. there has been a tremendous effort uh, to consolidate uh, the brands, to consolidate the back end infrastructure, uh, and drive towards something that's more uh, uniform uh, and standardized and scalable. How did you How did you go about getting buy in? Um, you know, is someone spinning up a, a new program? How do you get all of the various parties to? Uh, participate and, and provide you with the things that you need. Well, I, I uh, started small. Uh, the The very first thing that I did was to lay out a strategy deck uh, that articulated the the purpose of a threat intelligence program, the value of a threat intelligence program, what the inputs are, what the design is, in terms of the components, right? And then, of course, the the methodology, the prior, uh, the intelligence lifecycle, if you will, that's universal that anchored much of my thinking and, and the build, and then uh, our den- identifying the metrics, right? Uh, at Expedia Group, we have OKRs, objectives. But it's, it's figuring out how are we going to demonstrate tangible value. I made a, a couple of pitches around the value of a threat intelligence program, uh, the role that it plays, the importance of having a, a curated managed intelligence feed to give us the, the enrichment uh, and context uh, that our current vendor does. The real lift uh, in February of 2020, through our managed intelligence uh, partner, they alerted us to some activity that was going on in an underground forum. And very quickly, we came to understand that threat actors had uh, reverse engineered a coupon generating algorithm that we offered 
through one of our strategic partners. Uh, hmm. And we took very quick action, and, and within seven days, uh, we were able to shut it down uh, and realized uh, about just shy of a $3 million cost avoidance. That uh, certainly got the attention of, of a number of people and, and to realize the, the value and uh, tangible value of what we were able to provide. Can you give us some insights uh, specifically of how threat intelligence is valuable within the travel industry? I mean, that, that's a great example you just gave us. Are there anyone, other ones that, that come to mind that, uh, that apply to travel specifically? You know, I, I, I tend to view threat intelligence uh, somewhat in somewhat of a universal fashion. Uh, so hmm. the value of threat intelligence to a travel company versus a, a manufacturing company versus a you know, semiconductor or technology company, it's, I think it's all, in my mind, it's the same. It's just that there's different inputs and types of, the types of intelligence that you're gathering based on the nature of the business. Uh, but the output is the same to inform executives, uh, giving them situational awareness, helping them to uh, understand the context of the situation uh, to yield decision advantage. Uh, and then it becomes a bit more operational or tactical for uh, the security practitioners, the incident responders who need context on an, I, on an IP or uh, helping our, our colleagues in fraud uh, to defend against botnet attacks. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think for the travel industry, and that's, a, that's an interesting question, Expedia I consider to be a little bit of a hybrid. We are, in terms of industrial classification, we're, we're a tourism, we're hospitality, but we're also an e-commerce marketplace. Uh, and so, you know, we know that there are threat actors out there, nation states, that um, have uh, certainly demonstrated an interest in vacuuming up data uh, from many companies, many industries, uh, ostensibly for purposes of profiling. Uh, and, you know, the Marriott's of the world and, and the MGM's uh, are, are no exception to that. And so I think from that standpoint, we also know uh, there's you know, a couple of nation states, China, Iran, that, that have demonstrated interest in, in travel industry uh, data. I think from an e-commerce uh, perspective, um, it's a different set of threat actors, right? You have your financially motivated threat actors, the, the thin groups uh, that are going after the Magento and uh, the e-commerce sites, um, payment skimmers to get access to uh, card data, financial data. What is your advice to someone who is looking to spin up threat intelligence within their own organization? You know, someone who is tasked with that in a similar way that you were, do you have any, having been through what you have, um, any words of wisdom for, for folks who find themselves in that situation? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, the first thing is to bring, if you have passion for what you do and you have an appreciation for more than just the mechanics of intelligence, but the art of, of intelligence. Uh, and uh, it's, it's that art form through publishing narratives, uh, just getting a perspective out there uh, that is unique, that's original. Uh, and with respect to the company that, that you're working for or supporting, I think that that helps uh, to garner attention in, in the right, measurable, focused way. Start small. Uh, the, the two critical tools that I would consider 
are a threat intelligence platform that helps to centralize collection of intelligence data from numerous sources, uh, helps to aggregate that data, present that data in a comprehensible and, and usable format uh, across multiple stakeholders. Uh, I would also say that a managed intelligence feed uh, is is critical. Uh, there's there's a number out there that have um, greater and greater capabilities as as time goes by uh, to harvest information from underground forums. Uh, a number of these companies are partnering with ISPs, and so they're getting uh, an even richer data uh, flow of telemetry. The the two combined provide strategic lift uh, to deliver something that's comprehensive, that's context rich. And as I've shared, you know, another key piece of advice uh, that I've shared with, with my executives at Expedia Group and, and my colleagues is I'm less focused on attribution. I'm more, and, and this certainly came to light with Solarium, uh, even though I think we now have a pretty good idea considering that the White House has, has taken action. But I'm more considerate, uh, interested in the, the why and the how. Uh, because I think those two, once once you understand uh, how threat adversaries are uh, executing attacks or evolving uh, in their sophistication and their techniques uh, and the technologies that they're utilize, utilizing, why uh, they're going after certain targets, those two angles alone uh, provide a much richer insight into the nature of the defense that we need to mount. And it helps us to better uh, identify and assess our own vulnerabilities uh, and, and where to shore up our defenses. One more piece of advice I would offer is, I think intelligence requirements, at, at the risk of sounding you know, state or cliche, just sitting down, once you understand the business, and actually that's my, my first piece of advice, is when you step into a company, you really have to get to know the company that you're supporting. Take a few months and just study the company, uh, as I had shared, right? The operating model, the global footprint, the back-end infrastructure. How does the company make money? What are the technologies supporting those revenue-generating models? Uh, and what are the processes underlying the technologies? And that then helps you to start thinking about the intelligence requirements. Uh, and you can sharpen your pencil and, and frame a, a series of, of interrogatives uh, that you can present to the stakeholders to go a bit deeper into what they're concerned with, what keeps them up at night, what strategies are in play, what partnerships are in play. You know, as, as the business continues to evolve, so does the threat intelligence program and its requirements. You're consuming threat intelligence. Do you find it valuable to also put the information that you gather out there? Is is there a collaborative you know mode within uh, the industry? Do you have colleagues that you're swapping information with, you know, we're seeing this thread, what are you all seeing? Does, is, does that happen as well? Absolutely. Uh, so we, um, I have frequent contact with my counterparts uh, with several companies here in Seattle. Those are informal uh, dialogues and, and engagements. Uh, our threat intelligence uh, platform partner, they have facilitated uh, a host of roundtables uh, and working discussions with, with their other clients. Uh, across multiple industry sectors, uh, we've also had conversations with a with an ISAC. Uh, we're not in a position just yet to join, but I've already written a position paper and, and submitted it to senior leadership as to why I think joining an ISAC is um, is absolutely beneficial to us. It, it, it creates a tremendous advantage uh, to have that 
that collaborative forum. Uh, I'm also part of the NCFTA out in Pittsburgh. Uh, I was nominated and, and accepted into that forum. Uh, we have, I have regular dialogue with uh, federal law enforcement. Uh, so there's a, yes, <laughs> long-winded answer to your question, <laughs> but there's, you know, there's information sharing and, and exchanges that occur on, on multiple levels. Our thanks to Expedia's Colin Barry for joining us. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Future Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Caitlin Mattingly. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with executive editor Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thank you.